good to see all of you again this morning. I appreciate the, the fact that you've decided to begin your week this way, and uh, I don't know of a better way to do uh, that than to spend time worshiping God. Let me tell you something. I, a few years ago, I heard about a man who went to uh, Burger King, went through the drive-thru, and it was the practice of that Burger King to put their daily proceeds in a Happy Meal bag, you know, and, and just put it in that, and that way when they took it to the bank, it just looks like, you know, it's a Happy Meal and not a, you know, a bank bag, and they did that for safety. Well, the manager of the store set that down right by the window at the drive-thru. The girl came up and thought she was fulfilling this man's order and handed him that deposit. Talk about a Happy Meal, you know, you open that up, imagine that. Well, that, I say that to say this. Friday night, we had a get-together out here in the parking lot, trunk or treat, and had hundreds of kids and maybe 65 cars, give or take one. Um, but uh, what happened while we were out there is that uh, Connor Cheatham had put in his bag car keys. What a Halloween or trick-or-treat, you know, what, what a gift. But uh, the person who gave him these car keys did not give him possession of the vehicle, and he'd like to know which one of those vehicles out there is his. So uh, it's a Chevrolet, and it has a big American flag on it. If you have lost your keys... Now, I tell you, I would usually just leave these laying here, and you could come get them at your own convenience after, but I want to know who you are, because I... (laughs) I'm coming to your house next year. They're in my pocket, so come see me. All right. We have been doing a series of lessons on Sunday morning for the last few weeks on people that we need in our lives. We started with Barnabas. We need an encourager. We need someone who will strengthen us, someone who challenges the level of our service, someone that takes the lid off for us and opens opportunities to us that we never would have thought of had we not seen their example. Uh, We need someone like that in our life to challenge us to aspire to greater things. We talked about uh, Jonathan. We need a true friend in life, someone who truly seeks out for our good and someone that uh, is there to, to rely upon. We need a Rhoda in our life. We talked about children last week and how the children ought not just be those, those beings that we keep at arm's length, but we need to embrace them. Jesus did instead of such is the kingdom of heaven. Children ought to be a lifelong study for us. The qualities that they possess that are Christ-like and God-like, we need to be around them that they rub off on us. We need rodas in our life. Well, this morning, I'd like to spend the next few minutes talking with you about another person that we need in our life, and it's, it's Nathan. Now, for those of you who maybe don't know or do know, and by the way, I'm sorry, Gary, I gave you 1 Samuel. It was 2 Samuel, that reading, but you read 1 Samuel so well. Uh, but 2 Samuel chapter 7 or chapter 12 is where the, the text we'll be looking at or part of the text that we'll be looking at. Nathan was an Old Testament prophet. He was uh, a prophet who lived in the days of David, the king, and uh, he was noted for at least three things that I think from his life that I picked out that I think 
this is good. This is, this is what I need in my life. I need a person in my life who will do these three things for me that Nathan did for David. And I want us to look at his life. In 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 2, there, and again, you're, the, the slide says 1 Samuel. I needed to correct that. It's correct on your outline. But 2 Samuel chapter, two, or chapter 7 and verse 2 talks about an incident in the life of Nathan that uh, we'll, we'll talk about in just a minute. 1 Kings chapter 1 gives us another example. And then also 2 Samuel chapter 12 records for us an event in the life of Nathan that um, we'll uh, discuss here in just a minute. But three things from Nathan's life that I need in mine, and I believe you need in yours. First of all, Nathan safeguarded David's future. What I mean by that is that Nathan looked at some of the decisions that David made and he made sure that David made the right decisions. Have you ever been around people that were just, oh, you come up with an idea and they'll go, yeah, that's great, that's great, do it, do it. And everything you do, they're just behind you in everything. I don't need people to always be behind me, pushing me forward with the ideas that I have Sometimes I need people to say, wait, well, wait a second. That I, that's, you, you shouldn't. That's not going to end well. Nathan was that kind of man. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, turn there in your Bible, it came to pass that when the king was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around, that the king said to Nathan, the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar. But the ark of God dwells inside a tent with curtains, or tent curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. You remember David wanted to build a house for God. He wanted to build the temple. And he's sitting there, and he has time to think. His enemies are leaving him alone, and David is in his throne. And he's saying, You know, this is, this is just not right. I live in this palace and this paneled walls and, and the ark of God is in this tent. It's not right. I need to build a house for God. And so he tells Nathan that. And Nathan says, great idea, David. Run with it. Whatever you want to do, this is great. This is good. But you know, the Lord came to Nathan, the prophet, and said, no, wait, this is not good. I don't want, I appreciate it but I don't want a house built by David. And we know the reasons why that are given elsewhere, but David was a man of blood and he didn't want David to build the house. His son would build this house. But he said, uh, I don't want David to do this. You know what Nathan did? He didn't keep that information to himself. He went back to David and said, you can't do this. Your plans are not in harmony with the will of God. You, you've got to change what your ideas were. Yeah, I know yesterday I said it was a good idea. I agreed with you, but things have changed. I have more information, and I need to be the one to tell you, do not proceed with your plans. Folks, we need people like that in our lives. 
We need people who will come to me and say, Steve, what you're about to do is wrong. It's not the will of God. It's not what he would want you to do. It's not a decision that you should make. It's so easy to just get close to people and agree, just to get along. Have you ever had somebody come to you, maybe with a complaint, and they're saying, man, I haven't been treated right, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that, and, and just to kind of acquiesce, we, we listen with a consenting ear, you know, and we empathize or sympathize with the story that they're telling us, and, because we just don't want the conflict of saying, well, you know, I think I have to agree with what so-and-so said to you or did. We don't like that conflict, and because we don't like conflict, we just want to go along and let things slide. Folks, we don't, we've got enough people like that in our life. What I want in my life are people to tell me, Steve, that's not wise. You need to rethink that. You need to go a different direction. That will not suit God and His purposes in the long run. David was fortunate to have an Athan who told David, even though he originally consented, but he had the courage to change his mind and come back to David and say, David, what you're about to do is not the will of God. Change your mind. Don't do this thing. I need people like that. I, I, I don't need flatterers. I need true friends. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 5 that a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. People who just go up and consent and yes men and say, oh, it's great, it's wonderful, and that's all you ever hear from a person, they're setting you up. I need someone to say, no, don't. It's not a good idea. Another thing that Nathan did that I need in my life is that Nathan also, not only did he safeguard the future of David by, by steering him in a right direction, but he also safeguarded David's legacy. And how will David be remembered and what will he be remembered for? David is an old man. You can turn in your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 1, and David is basically on his deathbed. He's about to leave this world and to be ushered to his fathers. And, well, there was another man in Israel that just usurped the throne. He declared himself to be king. He got a priest to, to go through some kind of coronation with him, and, and he's claiming now to be king. But what about the throne of David? What about the promises of the lineage of David to the Messiah and the kingship from the tribe of Judah? What about all those things? It was Nathan who went to Bathsheba, David's wife, and said, Bathsheba, are you aware that somebody else has claimed the throne? While your husband David is dying on his deathbed, Another man has taken claim to the throne and he is now the king of Israel. We can't let this happen. He said, I remember the promises that David made. Now, here's what you need to do, Bathsheba. You go in and you say to David, what's this about so-and-so taking the throne? I thought my son Solomon, our son Solomon, was to take the throne. You go in and say that to David and when you get done, then I'll come in. And I'll bring up the same subject. So he has this plan. And, 
And Bathsheba goes in and says to David, what, what is this that I hear? Uh, I thought you were going to let Solomon be king. And David said, well, I am. I, I don't know what you're talking about. And then Nathan comes in and says, David, what is this? There's another man who's taken the throne. I, I thought you had promised the throne to the son of Bathsheba. And he said, I have. And so they arranged there to coronate Solomon as king of Israel. Had Nathan not stepped forward and seen to the fact for David to take care of business and get this thing official before his death, what would have happened? What kind of turmoil, what kind of civil war might have arisen if this had not been finalized in some official fashion that the throne was going to be handed over to Solomon? Were it not for David, or were it not for Nathan, the, the future of David would have been at stake. The lineage of David, the legacy of David would have been threatened. But David, or Nathan, was a friend who was looking out for his friend. I need people to look out for me. I want people that who are not only concerned about me, but they're concerned about my desires in life, my purposes in life. Have you ever known somebody to reach the end of their life and they have some grand mission and they've lived for it all their life and when they come close to the end of their life, there's someone else who takes the torch and runs for them and with them. They help to extend the legacy of the other man. We need people who can identify who and what we're about. And when we come to the end of our way, we're secure in knowing that they'll continue on with it. They'll continue working the work that I was working. Nathan was that kind of man for David. He not only uh, safeguarded his future, he not only safeguarded his legacy, but here's the final point. He also rebuked his sin. We all know the story of David and Bathsheba. Second Samuel chapter 12, chapter 11, David sees Bathsheba bathing, lusts after her, calls for her, commits adultery with her. They have a child together. David then has Uriah, Bathsheba's wife, or the husband of Bathsheba, put to death. He thinks he got away with it. He's going along until Nathan comes to his house and has a story to tell. Nathan seems to be disturbed by something that had transpired in, in the kingdom, and he said, David, one of your subjects, rich man, is neighbors to a poor man, is a neighbor to a poor man, and the rich man has sheep, oh, just thousands, and this poor man only has one little lamb. And he raised that lamb, and it's, it's like a daughter to him, he said. It sleeps on his chest. It it uh, drinks from his cup. It eats from his food. This thing is like family. And this rich man had, a, had an unexpected passerby, and he wanted to fix a meal for him, but instead of using one of the thousands of sheep that he had, he took that one lamb of his neighbor and killed it and gave it to this stranger and made a meal out of it for him. 
what, what do you think about that, David? David said, this man ought to be put to death. I can't believe, he was mad, he was enraged that a man would do, you have thousands and you take this other man's one only sheep? He was enraged and said he needs to be put to death. And then we know what happened. Nathan said, David, you're the man I'm talking about. I don't know if David said, what? What do you mean? I don't know if Nathan had to then express and say, David, come clean now. We know what you did. Uriah, Bathsheba, we know. I would like to have seen how it all played out. But, or maybe David, just as soon as Nathan said, you're the man, maybe David just lowered his head and said, you've got me. You know, I, there's, I've sinned. But whatever it was, can you imagine the courage that it took to go to a man who has murdered and who has committed adultery and go to him face to face and say, I know your sin and you're guilty and you need to change. Sometimes we get privy to things that are uncomfortable and unpleasant. We hear rumors about a person that's doing something, a person that we know, maybe a brother in Christ, sister in Christ. Or maybe it's not even a rumor that we've heard or a story that we've heard. We've seen it firsthand. We've seen someone in a place that they should not be or with a person they should not be with in a compromising situation and, and we're aware of it. What are we supposed to do about that? Do we go to that person? That's hard. Man, that's hard. To go to a person and say, listen, I... I know you've been trying to keep this under wraps, but I'm privy. I know what's been going on, and you need to change. We'd rather not do that. In fact, before we do that, we might rather tell somebody else about what we heard or saw. Or, uh, but to, do, to have the courage to go to a person that has sinned and sinned to this magnitude and say, I know about it, and you're wrong, and you need to repent. That took great courage. But what if there was no Nathan? What would have become of David? What if David did not have the person to stick a finger in his face and say, David, you need to repent? Might he have continued on? Had he never been caught, would he have had the motive to repent? Or would he have allowed his heart to have become hardened? by sin. I don't know the answer to that. It'd be interesting to know how that would have played out. But I do know this. I know how it did play out, and it played out that way because there was a man of courage who was willing to even go to someone in a superior position and bring up a very difficult and very uneasy and uncomfortable subject and say, we've got to deal with this. I would think David once he's over his shame and embarrassment and all the hurt that came with that and all the, all the baggage that comes from that sin, I would think David would have counted Nathan as one of his dearest friends. We need people in our lives when we sin 
who love us enough and have the courage enough to come to us and say, you need to fix this. This isn't right. You don't want to die this way. You don't want to live this way before your family, before your friends. You don't want people to stumble because of what you've done. Get this right. We need Nathans in our lives because none of us are perfect. Who is it that you have in your life that is in your sphere of influence that will do the things for you that Nathan did for David? Nathan secured the future of David. He not only secured his future, but by, by steering him away from things that were wrong to things that were right. He hadn't done anything wrong. He just had a good advisor in Nathan that said, David, don't do this, do this. This is God's will, this is not. Do you have someone who will help to steer you in the right ways before you ever make a mistake? Do you have someone who will rebuke you when you do make a mistake? And do you have someone in your life who will safeguard your legacy, who wants the best for you and for those you love? We need a Nathan. And not only do we need one, but again, as I said, you need to become one for someone else. We are all people, pilgrims, strangers. We're on a journey. We're going to heaven. And it's a difficult and long and treacherous journey. And as we travel that road to heaven, we don't travel it alone. We need people Back to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, the Bible says emphatically, two are better than one. Because when one falls down, the other can pick them up. Or when you lay down, it's cold at night, two will keep you warm, one, you'd be cold. And if there were strangers and people that would try to harm you along the road and overtake you, you can overtake them as long as you have other folks with you. Two are better than one. You need people in your life. Surround yourself with Barnabases. Surround yourself with Jonathans, with Rhodas, with Nathans. And you'll find your journey home will become much, much easier. If you're here this morning, you're not yet a child of God, we want to extend the invitation of Christ to you. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you haven't done that, do that this morning. God will keep His promise and you can rejoice in your salvation. If you're a child of God already, having done those things, but you've come to a point in your life that, well, maybe you've done some things wrong and you need to come clean. And may we all be an encouragement to you this morning as we sing this song of encouragement. May we all be a Nathan to you and say, get your life right Don't continue in sin. Ask God to forgive you, and He will, and we will, and we can get back on this journey. If you need to respond, we invite you to come as we stand together and sing.